1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13.
2: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And
1: I'm Eric McMahon.
2: On this episode, we discuss Michigan softball's NCAA tournament draw, the NBA draft combine, and some football recruiting news, or lack thereof, coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here. It's been a little while. It's Tuesday morning, May 17th. Uh, We got some things to discuss here. Uh, Most notably, the Michigan softball team is headed to the NCAA tournament. Again, how many straight years is this? 20
0: 27 straight tournaments. Sorry. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Can't say years anymore and it's, it's, it's
0: so difficult.
2: <laughs> but but yeah. uh yeah, they're they're back in it. They will be playing on uh, Friday, their their first game. They're in Orlando in the regional with hosted by UCF, Central Florida. Um, they were the 16 seed, 16 teams get to host. Um, and, and they were, they were the last team that, that got that reward, uh, UCF that is, and, and Michigan will be there along with Villanova and, uh, South Dakota state. That's who Michigan will be playing, um, on Friday at three o'clock, three 30, three 30, Um, it's kind of, kind of interesting little budding rivalry with, uh. Michigan and, and the state of the state of Michigan and the state of South Dakota here. We've uh, to the women's basketball team played in the, the NCAA tournament and now South Dakota state, uh, here in, in the, in the, uh, softball tournament, the Jack rabbits and
0: Villanova was in, um, I mean, the men's basketball team faced Villanova and then the women's basketball team was in uh, faced Villanova too, in the tournament. So a lot of, yeah, of similar yeah. And,
2: uh, you know, UCF is a rematch of, of a softball game from yeah. earlier this year. Uh, men's basketball played them as well. A lot, of, a lot of connections here. Uh, footballs played them uh, somewhat recently. Okay, so let, let's go back first of all a little bit, kind of recap Michigan softball season, how they got here. Um, yeah, I guess what what do we need to know about about the team heading into this uh, NCAA tournament?
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're playing some of their best softball of the year. It was an unusual, uncharacteristic slow start in the Big Ten for them. I mean they started off zero and four, which considering they've won. Uh, I mean, they're always near the top of the Big Ten every single year. It was kind of surprising, but they've won twelve of fifteen uh, to to end the season or heading into the tournament, winning twelve of fifteen. So they're they're playing pretty well. I mean, they, with with their two pitchers that they've had now for for four years, Alex Doraco and Megan Bobian, they're going to be in most games. It's a matter of if the bats can get going and store enough runs, and, and they're starting to do that here um, to- towards the latter part of the season. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 Playing pretty well, and, and I think they got the most favorable draw possible for the NCAA tournament. I know Carol Hutchins last year was just irate with the the selection committee because she felt that they had a should have hosted a regional after the season they had, but the Big Ten played a conference only schedule. All the teams RPI was was they were punished for that and and had to go across country to Washington, which was also the number sixteen overall seed. But, I mean, they were they were better than, than the 16 overall seed. They were a top-10 team for most of the year, ranked a lot higher in RPI. But when you look at, at going to the UCF region, like, like you said, Michigan played them earlier this year. And Alex Therocco threw a no-hitter and a 6-0 victory. So they've had success against UCF. And, the, the, yeah, there's no other Power 5 teams in this regional. So if you're Michigan, you really have to like their, their
2: draw. Yeah, the, the bats overall, yes, have, have have come alive a little bit more towards the end of the season. But still the last couple games um haven't haven't quite been there. The the Correct. semifinals of the Big Ten uh tournament on uh on on Friday night against Northwestern, the the top seed in the Big Ten, you know, Michigan goes six and two thirds innings with with just one hit. They're down to their last out uh in the seventh. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, base hit home run. Now they go up, they go up two one and they, and they hold on in the, in the bottom half of the inning for just a, a thrilling win. Um, But, you know, a similar story uh, against Nebraska in the championship, only three hits and one run for the whole game. You know, we're still right there to win it. It ended up going to extra innings kind of a controversial call didn't help Michigan uh, late and they, and they lose three, one in eight innings. Um, But yeah, I, I'm with you. They've got the pitching uh, to compete with anyone. Um, it's just a question of whether the bats can, you know, get going at, at, at the right time. And, and that time is, is, is now or never in, in the N C A tournament.
0: Yeah, no, for, for sure, you you need to store runs it, it, when it come turn in time, and it takes some pressure off the off the pitchers too. I mean, if you know that you have to be perfect every time you're you're in the circle, it, it puts a lot of pressure on you to to perform. So if Michigan can get out to a lead early in these NCAA regional games, they they should be in pretty good shape. But uh, yeah, any, anything could happen. But the fact that they're not they don't have to go to another uh, a power five team regional it seems like a, a pretty good draw uh, I mean because I think UCF getting a host bid was kind of a surprise If they were they were mentioning it, it on the selection show it's I mean the UCF's the only non-power five team to to get a host bid I know there's other teams like Texas that probably felt like they were deserving uh, of hosting so um, yeah, pr- pretty nice draw for Michigan, and um, have have eight and one all time against UCF, two and zero all time against Villanova, and, and Friday will be the first ever meeting between South Dakota State. So th- there is some past history between some of these teams as well.
2: Um, what do we need to know about South Dakota State? What do they do well? I mean, I see forty and eleven overall. Um, you know, that 18 and two in conference, they, they dominated their league. Um But yeah, what, what, what can you expect from them in, in Orlando?
0: Yeah. I mean, so, well, Michigan doesn't really hit many home runs, but that's not the case for South Dakota. I mean, they have, have three players with, with, uh, with double digits. uh One player was 17. Um, so, so they can, they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, they also have six starters batting above 300. I mean, I'll bet against, uh, inferior competition than, than Michigan faced this year. Uh, and like Michigan, they have a, a two headed monster in, in the circle, uh, with two, two players with, with at least 18 wins and sub two ERAs. One, one pitcher is, uh, is much more of a strikeout pitcher with 253 and 153 innings. The other, uh, pitches more to contact. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you need two pitchers to, to go on a run in the NCAA tournament and it looks like South Dakota State has a, a pair of, of dominant pitchers. It just they haven't faced much top competition this year. They won the Summit lead, which isn't a very strong lead whatsoever. Uh, I think they went like eighteen, yeah, eighteen and two um, mm-hmm. during the conference play this year, and, and three and one in the conference tournament to, to win their second straight conference title. Uh, but yeah, not much history in the NCAA tournament for the Jackrabbits. Um, But it, I mean, yeah, whenever you win 40 wins in in a season, that's a a pretty good year. So we'll see, we'll see how that translates in in come tournament play. But the one kind of similar or common opponent is is Nebraska and South Dakota state actually beat them twice this year. Um, and, and Michigan went 0-3, I'm pretty sure, against the Cornhuskers. So if you're looking at head-to-head matchups or, or, or common opponents, you're like, all right, maybe South Dakota State can, can make it a tough game. And I, I think they can. Um, but, yeah, Michigan would, would definitely be favored, I'm sure, heading into Friday.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, that Nebraska team that finished second in the Big Ten and then and then won the Big Ten tournament, as we mentioned, uh, they they had success against them. They also played. I saw they played uh, Minnesota and Iowa once each, um, and and lost to both of those teams. Minnesota finished under five hundred in the Big Ten. Uh, Iowa was in last place. Um, but again, a lot a lot of these games were. You know, a long time ago. Um you know, the 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 most recent Nebraska games were were in early March. Um, so yeah, it I how much you know you can put on that, I, I don't know. So much of it comes down to just whether you get the bats going and, and get those hits when, you know, when, when you do get your base runners on, because against the elite pitching, those 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 opportunities are 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 rare. Um, but they they get South Dakota State, um, and you know, Villanova and and UCF, as we mentioned, the other teams there. Uh so yeah, let's, let's remind folks how it works. It's a, it's a double elimination deal. Yeah. So you kind of, you play your round Robin until, uh, uh, it's not a set number of games because it's kind of based on, um, yeah, once, once each team has, has two losses, basically. It's how it works. Winners, right. winners play, losers play, and keep it moving from there. Sometimes you need, need that extra game to, to decide it at the end. Um, but Michigan, the last time they got out of this round was win.
0: 2016 so it's been yeah. it's been a while yeah it's yeah. which is surprising because I mean they were they were making runs to the college world series pretty regularly um and then they've yeah I mean they've only hosted one regional in that time and and, yeah. and uh I mean they've come one win away a, a few times during that stretch and then w- would lose two straight um in, in the finals to to get eliminated which you which is which which hurts so it got hurt um but yeah this year I I, I didn't think they had a good, I mean last year Washington was a very good team traveling all the way out, out to Seattle is, is tough tough on, on, on the players but this year i I, I think I mean if they, if they don't advance it would be a disappointment uh, they have the pitching to do it they're not facing any top competition here. Uh, I mean, UCF's had a great year, but I mean, they were three, three and seven, I think against right opponents. So they they do have some impressive victories, but they've also played a tough schedule and didn't fare so well against other top teams. So it's a very winnable region. And yeah, at at this point, I mean, with, with, with the or a little bit of a drought here to reach the super regional, I think anything less would be kind of a disappointment this season.
1: Pitching is so important too in these tournaments. You know, if you have one or two horses, as they say, it can help you go a long way. And if they can put together some some strong performances and Michigan can put some runs on the board, they like you said, they shouldn't have an issue uh, winning this regional.
2: So yeah, 330 Friday, South Dakota State on ESPN Plus. Uh hopefully you can get that and can tune into the game. We've got, as we said, some some other topics to hit on too. The NBA draft combine is, is underway in Chicago right now, going on. All week, uh, you know, interviews and and measurements and agility drills and shooting and some five on five action. Uh kind of the more exciting stuff is is later in the week, Thursday and Friday. Um, and there is there's one Michigan player there, and that is Musa Diabate. Um, Eli Brooks is also in Chicago, same arena for uh the G League Elite camp. Um, and you know, they usually do they do select uh, you know, uh two or three of the best performers there um you know to to compete in the in the regular combine later in the week so uh you know if brooks is one of those players i'll I'll be letting you know about it on mlife.com slash wolverines but uh yeah diabate is there um and and yeah we'll he's guys till June first until to to withdraw from the draft if he wants to come back to Michigan um or he could stay in the draft and be be a one and done player. He should test well you'd think he's very athletic um you know uh, tall and long and uh, you know, moves well. Um, but yeah, certainly the shooting is, is a concern outside shooting. Um, so, and, and we'll see how he looks in the, in the five on five games. Um, you know, Caleb Houston is not there. He was Yes. The f-
1: can we talk about Caleb Houston? Cause like it, it's Absolutely. been reported the last couple of weeks, ESPN and other outlets that he's being potentially been promised a draft pick. I, I can't. Now I admittedly haven't paid much attention to the NBA draft the last couple of years, uh, covering the Michigan football program. But mm-hmm. I've never heard that before. Is that is that a thing? Is that something that's common?
2: Yeah. So ESPN story just yesterday, you know, mentioned the the, the players who who declined invitations, and and you know, the line about Caleb Houston was that you know some NBA teams uh, speculate he already has a promise in the first round, meaning that you know a, a team has promised that they will take him. And therefore, he feels no reason to then, you know, go out and, and, you know, compete in front of in front of all these other teams. And on the surface, it's a strange thing, right? You really can't promise anyone unless you're going to take them with the first pick, because you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't really work, because let's say let's say it's the team picking, you know, 22nd, whoever this is that, you know, has promised has promised Caleb Houston they're going to take him. Well, what if like a guy who is projected to go, you know, in the lottery, like in the top 10, even for whatever reason, like falls, exactly. well, now this team is like, well, we didn't expect him to be here. like, sorry, Caleb, we're taking this guy. So like, I just don't know how that, how that works exactly. But, um, I don't know, I guess if you had like multiple picks or whatever, or, you know, whatever it, it could happen, I've, I've certainly heard it before. Um, but it's strange. I mean, I did, I you know, as soon as I was hearing. As soon as, you know, Houston wasn't attending, I reached out to various people in the league to try to get a sense for why, even generally speaking, a player would turn down an invite. So, you know, reached out to a scout, um, you know, someone in a front office, an assistant coach, and, and and got various answers about, you know, the reasoning. And, and one could be an injury. You know, there's an injury that has forced this player to withdraw. There's no reason to believe that's the case with Houston, but that, that was a possibility. Um, some is that, another reason is that, you know, they they wanted the experience of of working out for teams individually and and getting some feedback, but they, they plan on returning to school. Um, And and that seems to be the case, for example, a a player on Iowa, Chris, Chris Murray uh, you know, he, he, it seems like he's coming back. So there was no reason for him to attend the combine if he wasn't fully serious. Uh, And then, you know, there's, there's agents advising, you know, the fact that there's, there's a lot of tape on him. I mean, he started, he started every game, you know, for Michigan this past year, you know, 30 plus games. Um, you know, he's played on the international level. He played high profile, um, you know, games, uh, in, in high school at, at, Montverde. Um, so, you know, they could say, listen, people saw you play like you're, you're in good shape. You know, you don't need, you don't need to go out and and, and do this and, and maybe only hurt your stock. Um, so you don't know. There's just so many different factors from you know what the agent's telling them to how much they like school to their family situation to playing time for next year. Like it's just unique to every player. So um yeah, but th- there is that report out there, and it's interesting, isn't it?
1: Very and it just it just seems awful risky for the reasons you you just laid out. I mean, mm-hmm. if someone falls he risks the potential not being drafted. And I, I I don't know. I have to think if I was if I was him and obviously I'm not, I'm not I don't know the, the details behind, but like you know, you think at least you want to work out at the combine, you know, at least show what you got. Yes, the tape is out there, people have seen you play, they know your potential and everything else. But you would think he would try and put himself in a better position in case you know something were to happen and that team that has quote unquote promised him a spot you know, goes a different way, then it, op- it helps you open up the potential of being drafted elsewhere. So this is going to be fascinating to watch and see what happens. You know, yeah. I wish the best for him. You know, it, it, he's got high potential. We've talked about him a lot, but yeah, it's, it's just, I, I just can't, I, I can't remember the last time I've heard of that. And that's saying it, it's, it hasn't happened before. Like you said, I'm sure guys have been promised picks before. Um, but I, I'd be curious to know the conversion rate there of guys being told one thing and it actually, you know, happening.
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll try to find you know there, his camp has been has been quiet his family um you know he he's not like on social media at all I mean Musa Diabate he has accounts but he's 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 not very um you know active either on there so it'll, it'll just be interesting as far as you know these announcements as we get closer to to June 1st um you know to kind of see what uh you know what's going to happen because you know Michigan if, if they don't get either of them back, um, you know, might, might not be done in, in the transfer portal. I mean, there's no rule that you have to use all of your scholarships, but, you know, as you kind of look at the roster, um, and, you know, filling, filling, you know, your starting lineup and your rotation, um, you know, they certainly better be better off with both these guys or at least one of them. Um, and if not, uh, they, they might, they might have to go elsewhere to try to try to fill those spots. So we'll see, uh, again, June 1st is, is the deadline for that and the combine happening this week in Chicago. Um, we said, we were going to talk about some, some football, uh, recruiting news. Um, but again, maybe it's, it's the news is that there, there's there, there aren't, there's not much, I don't know. You, you guys can fill me in here on what's going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, all, all quiet really on, on the Michigan recruiting front right now, which is not good news for the Wolverines. I mean, it's, it, it, was Players were, were taking visits last month, and, and now now the coaching staff's out for the spring evaluation period and, and evaluating prospects. And the fact that they haven't landed any commitments since March is uh, a little bit alarming. They only have six players in this 2023 recruiting class, and it's still early. There's no time to panic yet, but the fact that they only have six players and their top-ranked commit, Raylan Wilson, a, a four-star linebacker. Out of Florida, he's already scheduled official visits to go to other two other schools in June is and seems to have the door open for for other schools to kind of pry him away from Michigan. Um, Not great news for for the Wolverines, so um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but Michigan struck out on a lot of top targets so far. So they're having to go to second, third, fourth options. And and are typically at this time of year, they would be offering guys in future classes. But you've seen a lot of players in this 2023 class announce this past month, if they've received an offer from Michigan, which kind of tells you that they're, they're moving on to plan B's here in trying to evaluate and find other players in this class, because some of their top options just straight up decided to go else or commit elsewhere. So it's, it's not, nothing's official until signing day, but yeah, I mean, there, when you look at the rivals, like Penn state, Ohio state, uh, Notre Dame, even mission States have been recruiting pretty well, this point, you're like, man, when's when's Michigan going to do something? And they need a, a big-time commitment in a big way at this point to, to maybe generate some momentum that mo- many people thought they have had after a, a Big Ten championship last year.
1: A couple of things are at play here. One, I think we went over this last year. I remember, didn't we have a similar discussion this time last year when they brought in Mike McDonald and overhauled the coaching mm-hmm. staff? They got off to a slow start recruiting. Now they didn't go through an overhaul to the same degree this off season, but keep remember they got a new defensive coordinator. Uh, yes, it's a similar you know similar scheme and everything else, but it's a new face. They have a new defensive line coach, and they've got a new, I, I guess you could say, I mean, co- new offensive coordinators. One mm-hmm. who was there, and both guys were there, but they're new faces and in, in potentially with a slightly different system. So the coaching staff changes are always a concern you know that recruiting is always a concern when you change coaches no matter what um yes the system is probably remain largely the same but a lot of these guys a lot of these kids remember when it comes to especially recruiting high school players they recruit because of the relationships they build with some of these coaches so when these coaches leave you got almost got to restart the restart the situation um not always but in this situation this is probably a big deal now the other thing that the, I guess the elephant in the room that everyone in Michigan certainly isn't going to talk about is NIL. I mean, that is certainly becoming a big deal at some schools. They're lever- leveraging that for different reasons in different ways. You can make the case maybe uh, bending the rules a little bit with, in terms of the NCAA. Now, whether that's affecting Michigan, we don't really know because it's not you can't like quantitatively like, mm-hmm. you know, determine that. So it's all kind of speculation, and everything else. But that's um, certainly become an issue i mean it's helped some schools as you as you've seen the recruiting trail and i have to, I have to sus- suspect if it's helped some schools it's going to hurt others so michigan's in a weird situation right now with again new new coaches they're developed kind of navigating this new the transfer portal nil system um and then i think you've seen the results so far now as I mentioned, we, we went through this this time last year. I suspect things are going to pick up, as you, as you kind of you know hinted at, Ryan. Now, it may, may result in Michigan not getting some of those top you know, 100, 150 players in the country. Um, so, it's, it, it's yeah, it's unfortunate because Michigan's coming off so much momentum on, on the field with the Big Ten title and getting the playoff. You would hope they would be able to cap you know, retain most of their assistants and they did, but the problem is they lost two of their biggest high profile assistants and their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. So they're, I don't say they're back to square one, but there's certainly some, um, you know, they've got some reconnecting to do.
0: Yeah. And then if you look at the past two cycles, you, you had JJ McCarthy in the 2021 class commit early he's able to recruit other guys and and, and they're able to build a class around him last year they got five-star cornerback will johnson pretty early to commit able to build around him and at this point they don't really have a prospect they can build around. I mean, Raylan Wilson's a top 100 guy, but again, he he doesn't seem like he he's actively recruiting other players to Michigan because he doesn't even know if he's going to stay committed to Michigan at this point. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But Michigan needs some. Uh, would it would help them to to land a big fish that they can maybe build around? But this time last year, it's not like Michigan's class was ranked very high either. And then they have a really strong season on the field and then land some some top prospects and just leading up to signing day. So like I said, nothing's official until signing day with missions favorable schedule again this year, though they're probably going to have a, another successful season on the field that could sway a lot of prospects in the fall. But yeah, right now it, it doesn't, see, there's not much uh, positivity, positive news to report for, for Michigan fans.
2: The phrase, no news is good news does not apply here.
0: That's a hundred percent correct.
2: Gotcha. All right, well stay tuned. We'll we'll have it covered if uh, if there is any news to report on that front. And you can find that information on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thank you for listening.